Hello and welcome to Discovering Dementia. I'm Penny Bell and in today's episode I'm going to be chatting to someone I discovered when I was looking for information on how to look after and communicate better with my mum. Caring for someone living with dementia can mean you sometimes find yourself in situations where you're not quite sure of what to say or how best to respond. How you react can make all the difference. So I was very glad to find our next guest when I did. My name is Adria Thompson. I am a speech language pathologist in the United States, and I provide daily content on social media platforms for tips and tricks and videos and posts about people with dementia and how to care for them. And I've spent eight years providing one-on-one speech therapy services to individuals with dementia and other individuals who are aging. So you first caught my eye on social media and you've got a really big following now. And I guess it's because you're offering something that's quite simple and practical. So tips, short, snappy videos that show families and carers and anyone supporting someone with dementia, some useful ways to communicate and to manage different situations. And they're tools that you know anybody can use. These are a real hands-on practical way that you can follow instantly and they've, they've certainly helped me. How did you come up with the idea to do this? Yeah, and I'm glad that you describe it that way because that's, that's my motto. It's practical, short, digestible and functional. I want people to be able to put their phones down and immediately be able to implement some of the things that I, I teach. So I am a speech language pathologist and I've been doing that for eight years. And over the course of that time, I've grown in a passion for working with individuals with dementia. And I just gathered a lot of tricks that really worked in increasing compliance with the people with dementia. And what I mean by that is, you know, when someone doesn't want to take a shower or they don't want to get dressed, how we get them to do that. Things like communication. What do we do when someone with dementia starts talking about people who have passed away? All of these very universally experienced things for caregivers of people with dementia. I started testing things out and realizing that I was finding some solutions. And I knew also from a personal side of things, my grandmother has dementia and she was diagnosed about five years into my journey being a speech therapist. And I saw firsthand with my own family how few resources existed. And so I thought, well, I have some ideas. And honestly, this kind of came about because I moved from one side of the country to the other and I had to quit my job anyway. So I was like, now's a good time to just try this thing that I've always thought about doing. And I just started making videos and they took off within the first week of like hundreds of thousands of views. And I just realized this stuff is needed. And I just haven't stopped. It's brilliant. And the way that you do it, you sort of act out a scenario where there may be an issue or a problem or some sort of challenging behaviour and then immediately provide an option or a way of, of managing that. But you also explain why these things might work. Is that important? It's so important to me because I think that that is not even half the story. That's the majority of the story is the why behind it. If we're just putting out fires every day and and trying just to get by without understanding the root issues, then uh, it's exhausting. And caregiving is exhausting to begin with. So if we can understand why things happen, then we can be, first of all, more compassionate. 
because we realize that they're just doing the best they can. And we're just, you know, they're just going through their life with a brain disease. But then secondly, not just being more compassionate, but we can be more effective. And, you know, if we can understand these issues, then we can solve them more easily. I want to work myself out of a job. I want to teach people to understand people with dementia so much that they don't need my videos anymore. That would be amazing. Yeah. What's the most popular video that you've made? Oh, I've had a couple, but a lot of my videos around mealtimes seem to take off. So how to get someone to eat when they're not hungry or they think that they've already eaten. I had a video about just providing many opportunities for eating by not being confrontational and say, you've got to eat, you have to eat, but just leaving the plate there and then providing them opportunities throughout the day. And I think that that probably took off so much because eating is a big stressor for caregivers. If we can't get a shower right away, okay, we can wait until later. We, if we can't get them dressed, we'll try again tomorrow. But when it comes to eating, it can be scary for caregivers. So I think that was, those are always really well received. And what about around Christmas time or festival times or celebrations? What, what are the kind of um, things that crop up? Yeah, I think a lot of caregivers want to still involve individuals with dementia in those traditional celebrations. And that's amazing. But just knowing how to do that is a big question for a lot of caregivers because there are a lot of scary things that could potentially happen, like they could fall when we try to get them in the house or in the middle of unwrapping gifts. They could just get confused and try to leave. They could be disoriented. They could be agitated. Also, it might just be difficult to get someone with dementia to go and participate and do things that you want them to do. It's hard all the way across. And I think that a lot of the fears people have about what could potentially happen keep them from even attempting. So how would you advise people then to prepare for Christmas or other celebrations? Some of the things like decorations and the tree and, you know, all these new things that pop up all of a sudden around this time. I think it's important for us, once again, if we talk about like the foundational issues with dementia, is to know that although short-term memory can be very difficult for a lot of people with dementia, long-term memory typically isn't an issue. We retain our long-term memories well into the disease process to the very last stages. So with that in mind, we want to keep things as familiar as possible. So opening presents next to a Christmas tree is going to feel familiar to a lot of people with dementia if that's what they grew up doing. So keeping those traditions are completely appropriate. But I think the best thing that we need to keep in mind is just simplifying, simplifying the process, simplifying our expectations. So maybe they always used to make sugar cookies and maybe they can't do that this time this year. But they certainly could use a cookie cutter to cut out the circles for it. That is one part of a tradition that they could participate in. So even though they might not be able to participate in everything, how can we simplify it to where they can participate in one part of it? So I think simplification is really important, keeping those traditions, but then also being a team. And, you know, if you have a family gathering, there needs to be a conversation beforehand, whether it's just an email that's sent out or a text message or a group Zoom call to say, hey, 
grandma's coming for Christmas. We know she has dementia. Here are some things we need to consider. We need to do some simple communication things. Speak to her one person at a time. We don't need to overwhelm her. We, gosh, heaven forbid, we do not need to say, do you remember me? Grandma, do you know who I am? And so if, as we can keep the whole family or the whole group on the same page about what's appropriate and what's not, then you can avoid a lot of problematic situations. So when you're saying that's about, um, do you remember me? What's a better way to phrase that? How would you make sure that she wasn't unsure who people were in those circumstances? So the best alternative is, hi, grandma, it's me, Adria. I'm so glad you're here. So identifying yourself immediately. And my grandmother has dementia, like I've said. And there are times that she doesn't know who I am. And other times I'll introduce myself and she'll say, I know, I know who you are. And I'll say, oh, okay, I have my hair different today. I was just making sure. Put it on yourself as the why you feel like you need to make that statement. Another really great thing that might feel a little strange to do, but could be super beneficial is wearing name tags. So it says Adria and Penny and Ben and Robert, whatever, so that the person with dementia doesn't have to guess at least what their name is. Because all these people feel familiar for a lot of people with dementia, but they might not know the name. And if you can kind of remove that obstacle, then you might allow them more opportunities to socialize. The things like asking questions, I mean, that's something we do just naturally in conversations, isn't it? What did you do last week? How's everything been? Is there a way you can create a conversation that feels natural but doesn't involve endless questions? Yeah, I think questions in and of themselves aren't a problem. I think what I would want listeners to realize is we need to focus on feelings rather than facts. So when we say, what have you done today? How have you been feeling? How is your leg better? Some of those, we're talking about specific events and making them have to bring up facts about recent events that they might not have anymore. But if we instead shift and think about talking about feelings, then we can say, how do you feel today, grandma? And we can focus also on things that are happening in the moment. Look at little Johnny. Isn't he cute? Does he remind you of anyone? What about him makes you giggle? Why are you smiling? You know, like talking about things that are happening in the moment and feelings. So we can also bring up, like I said, long-term memories. Grandma, what is your favorite Christmas tradition? And she might not be able to answer that, but you give options. Do you like opening presents or do you like the food better? Oh, me too. Right. And then just kind of go on that path, reminiscing and um, in the process, questions are fine as long as there's no wrong answer. Error free is what we call it. If we can give them error free questions. So if we talk about feelings, there's no right or wrong way to feel. But if we're talking about facts, there are right or wrong answers. And what about the kind of, uh, often it's very busy at Christmas and there's lots going on. Is it important perhaps to have a quiet space or some other options for sitting or being somewhere else? Absolutely. 
I think having a quiet space is really important. And being able to know your loved one with dementia well enough to know their tells of when they might be getting to their limit of being overstimulated or feeling overwhelmed and allowing them to take those moments away to regroup. And it doesn't have to be a bedroom in the back where they sit in a room by themselves. It might just be in an area of the same room that you're in that just allows them a little bit of space. I would also add to that thinking about what time of day would be best for someone with dementia. A lot of people might experience what we call sundowning, which is just a phenomenon where people get a little more confused or maybe disoriented or even agitated later in the day. And so for a lot of people with dementia, in the early afternoon or in the morning is the time where they can operate most functionally. And so if we have evening plans with our families, we might want to carve out a time during their good time in the morning to allow them to come and visit with the family and participate in some traditions. So avoiding times that are traditionally really a struggle for them is important and will keep them from getting so overstimulated. Now, you're a speech and language therapist. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have gone in any direction with, with your work. What was it that drew you to dementia and specialising in that area? I can't put my finger on exactly what it is in general, but I can think back to specific patients that I've had that really pulled at my heartstrings. And I think going through graduate school, I always wanted to work with children. I always thought I wanted to work with children with the most severe disabilities, with lots of behaviors and challenging moments like that. That's what draw always just drew me in. I like a challenge. But once I started get working actually in practice, I realized I don't have the energy for children. <laughs> um, and so people who are older were very much more my speed and I realized that some of those same issues, some of those same frustrations still exist within individuals with dementia. And so I can look back on specific patients I've had that I'm like, they changed my life and they all had dementia. And, you know, I think a lot of family members can feel a lot of grief moving their loved ones into long-term care communities. And there's a lot of stigma around that. But I can tell you that I am not the only medical provider that has that kind of compassion for our patients that really are changed by the interactions we have with them. I could tell you I loved them really well and vice versa. They didn't know my name, but they made a huge change in my life. And it was about three years into me working with individuals with dementia and elderly people in general where my grandmother was diagnosed with dementia. And that really changed a lot for me because like I said, I realized that the support wasn't needed. I had a passion for that demographic. And so I just went all in. And do you work with younger people with dementia as well? Because obviously some people have young onset dementia. And is that something that you've touched on as well in your work? Yes. So um, as a treating speech therapist, which is basically when I'm working for a company and providing speech therapy treatment. I've worked in memory care communities 
And over the years, I've had probably 40 individuals under the age of 65 that have dementia, whether it be early onset Alzheimer's or Korsakoff syndrome, Huntington's disease, very much still present in that population, although they're very rarely seen in society because in general, they're very healthy physically, but cognitively they need a lot of support. And so they end up in a lot of memory care communities, which is where I've spent most of my time. So yeah, uh, that population provides a very unique challenge for caregivers. And so how much of your time is spent making these amazing videos that you have on social media? I try to batch record. And by that, I just mean I will spend usually a Saturday for a good eight to 10 hours just recording as much as I can. And sometimes I will have three or four weeks of material in one day. Of course, after that, I have to do a lot of editing and I work with some brands as well, um, some companies that have products for people with dementia um, so that I can make sure that their products are provided to caregivers who need them. So it is a lot. uh, It takes a lot of time, but it's such a joy to do. And um, it's gotten quicker over the last year. (laughs) It's, It's taken me less and less time as I get used to it. And you must be known by people all over the world now. Do you get messages from people in other countries? I do. Yeah, I have a big following in the UK um, and Australia specifically, but I get messages from all across the world and also requests for, for translations in different languages. And it's really cool. I mean, I know it's needed in the United States, but even more so, I know it's needed in a lot of parts of the, of the world that the stigma of dementia is unlike anything we will ever experience, that people with dementia are seen as cursed or something like that. There's absolutely no services or education at all. So there's a lot of work to do. It's intimidating, but um, I'm so honored to be a part of it. And if people want to watch your videos and find out more about you, where's the best place to do that? My videos are on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. All of those you can search Be Light Care. And to learn more about me and some of the services that I provide and my background and all of that, you can go to BeLightCare.com. Thank you very much to Adria Thompson from Be Light Care. Her gentle approach to communication combined with some very practical videos have clearly been so useful to many already. If you have any tips you'd like to share, do get in touch at Discovering Dementia or at Dementia Podcast. Bye for now.